To be able to fully answer the question of who is God is an impossibility on this earth. But that doesn't mean that you and I just throw up our hands and we give up. No, God, you have all right to my life. You own me. If you don't put air into my lungs, God, I don't breathe. And so, God, I give you the space to interrupt whatever I'm in, whatever I am doing. You can reveal who you are, God, to me any way that you want. And I, I said it in this service last week, and it's crazy how I remember this. I didn't say it in a second, but I said, if God is greater than we've ever been told or taught, he's greater than I've ever been able to tell you. He's greater than I will ever be able to teach you. If that's the case, then we have to explore who God is. And for us to do that, there are going to have to be many disruptions with the normal flow of life so that you and I can start to see and to know who this God is that we are here worshiping this morning. Did you know that's why we're here? Worshiping this God that many people are pursuing. So this morning, just for just a few moments, just planting some seed and praying that you in obedience this week to God would allow him to nurture, cause increase in whatever is planted here this morning. So God speak. May we listen. I've talked about for several weeks, some pretty, I thought bold statements, but the fact that God is a promiser And listen, I need you to hear me. If you haven't been here in the last several weeks, months, I need you to know that every person sitting in this room, no matter how good you feel about yourself or how bad you feel about yourself, that God has a promise over your life. I don't think we all in this little room, 200 people, I don't think that we are aware of the promises that God has on our life. And you say, Scott, well, what are some of those promises? That's not for me to say, but I want to tell you, and again, not being legalistic or ritual or focusing on to-do list or performance, but the promises that are on your life are in God's word. Did you hear that? For you sitting in here today who may say, I'm not sure what the promises are for my life. The promises of God on your life are in the Bible. Find a translation, I say this all the time, find a translation that you enjoy reading and go discover the promises of God's calling on your life. I focused on that and and then a very bold statement was this, that God must provide for every promise that he has on your life. God cannot give you a promise and then leave it up to you. See, that's where most of us have been living this life, and that's why it leads to frustration. It's because we may know of a promise of God on our life, a calling of God on our life, but we actually live like it's up to us to fulfill the promise. 
It is impossible for you to provide the provision for the fulfilled promise. Did you know that? You can't provide what God is providing for your life. So we hear that he's a promiser and we hear that he is a provider. But a lot of times I get so excited about the promises of God. I see the way God's working miraculously. I see the way God is providing for me, my family. I'm in a season with my family right now that I know a promise. I also know the provision. It's it's amazing. I get excited about it. And here's what happens. I sometimes fall into the trap of focusing more on the promise and the provision and where I need to start out. Just me. Where I need to start off every day. If I start off every day knowing that God is pursuing Scott, that changes the way that my day goes. So I get so focused on the promise, I get so focused on the provision that I forget that when I wake up in the mornings that God Almighty is actually pursuing me. And so that's where I need to start every day. I don't know what that means to you. I hope that God is saying something to you. But the fact that God is pursuing you, that's a big deal. He's pursuing every single one of you. And I'd just like for you in your mind right now, you don't have to say it out loud, but in your mind, I'd love for you just to say that. God, you're pursuing me. God who created everything, he knows you. He loves you. He knows where you are. He knows the struggle. And he's pursuing you. He's coming after you. Even though it doesn't register with your earthly mind or make sense to the way that you live your life, he's coming after you. I want to just look here in Genesis chapter 12. We're going way back to the beginning. I want to just read some of this in Genesis chapter 12. In my Bible, it says the call of Abram. You know, if you read any further along in Genesis, you'll see that his name changes from Abram to Abraham. And I can tell, I can tell by, I can tell by the place, this, the, the, the temperature in this place. That this is something that we're going to have to wrestle with. Because some of you think you've disqualified yourself. Some of you don't think you're worthy enough to be pursued. Some of you think you've sinned your way out of pursuit. Some of you think you've missed it. And we're going to try to get there this morning. But let me just tell you something. All of those are rooted in lies from the enemy. Every single person that I'm sitting there standing here looking at. Every one of you is being pursued by God this very second. Abraham. Genesis chapter 12. It says the Lord said to Abram. Leave your country, your people, your father's household and go to the land that I will show you. 
Look here. If you write in your notes in your Bible, write this right here above this. This is a promise. I want you to write the promise, just the word promise right over this. Verse two, it says, I will make you, this is Abram, into a great nation and I will bless you. That's a promise. I will make your name great, Abram. That's a promise. And you will be a blessing. That's a promise. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And the people on earth will be blessed through you. That is a promise for Abraham. God is a promiser. But even in this promise being given to Abraham, this is, look at this, notice this. This is God doing the pursuing. God chose Abraham out of people that were living on the earth. God, actually, I see him on his throne. He says, you know what? I am choosing you today. And I need you to have that same sense upon your life this very second. Not maybe one day when your feelings line up with it, but I'm talking this very second that God Almighty is seated on his throne and he is there with Jesus and he is saying this very second, I choose you, Scott. I choose you. I'm coming after you because I've chosen you. And you see, when we're able to look at the God Almighty in this lens, in this way, that makes my relationship with God not just something on the surface, not something that is just a theory, not just something that I read about or someone told me about. When I am able to understand that God chose me and that he took the first step My friends, that changes the way I look at this life. The promiser pursued you first and he chose you. And I don't know where you are today. I don't know what's stacking up against you. I don't know what your thought life is like. I don't know what your performance is like. I don't know what your relationship with God and you are, but to this very second, he is still choosing you. Abraham had this promise. The pursuer comes on him. And I I love this. And and I, I say, please go and read this. Read this in your time this week. Put a Bible in your truck. Put it in your lunchbox. Read this story because many of you in this room have automatically you have disqualified yourself and you don't even fit in the same category as Abram does here. Some of you have attached yourself to the lies of the enemy and you and God have been non-existent because of your performance. And I want to promise you something. If you'll read this, you're not even sniffing being where Abraham was. This promise comes on Abraham's life. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you the father of nation and I'm going to curse those who curse you. So if anybody comes against you, they're destroyed. That's the promise of the one who was pursuing Abram. And if you read on, listen to this. You read on there in Acts chapter 12. I'll just pick up Acts. In Genesis chapter 12, 
Genesis 12 there, verse 10, it says, now there was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for while he, for he lived there for a while because the famine was so severe. I love this. This is just real. I think me and you and a lot of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus would probably feel a lot freer if we would be just this honest. Listen to this, verse 11. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then we will, they will kill me, but we'll let you live. See how honest he is? See, he forgot. And I don't know the time passed. I don't know how much time has gone from the verses that I read you about the promise to when he goes down here into this land called Egypt. But he had forgotten the pursuer and the promise. He had forgotten about it. Because if he would have remembered the promise from God, the pursuer, he would have never said, oh, no, we're in trouble. We're going to have to lie and you're going to have to say that you're my sister so I can protect my own life. I wrote this in my Bible, in my notes. Self-preservation is a result of not knowing or trusting God. You and I have promises all over our life. There's nothing that you have done that has caused the pursuer, God, to stop pursuing you today. But we live our life working all of these angles. We don't know God, we don't trust him, and so we have to self-preservate. And that's exactly what Abram was doing here. He said, God, there's no way that you're going to curse the people who curse me. There's no way you're going to protect me. Sarah is this beautiful. I am going to have to manipulate the environment so that things will go good for me, God, because obviously you're not doing it. And so if we don't know God, if we're not striving, seeking, hungering, saying, God, whatever you need to do to teach me your ways, If we don't know God, we are going to exhaust ourselves trying to manipulate and persevere according to our way. That's why so many of us are exhausted. This had to be stressful for Abram. I mean, his life was on the line. The promise was there and the pursuer was there. It goes on. I love this. Fast forward, just Genesis chapter 15. I love that. Go read and go read what happened. If we were God, let's just say I, I won't put it on you. But if I was God, I would have immediately disqualified Abram, right? You liar. Abram, you lied. You didn't trust me. I'm going to have to go find John or somebody else now. Abram, nice try. Go read the rest of this chapter and see what God does. It'll blow your mind. Chapter 15 says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. Verse 2, But Abram said, God, what can you give me since I remain childless? 
the one who will inherit my estate, Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children. So a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Here's another promise. Remember, this is God coming after you. This man will not be your heir. But listen, here's a promise. But a son coming from your own body will be your heir. Guys, I'll be honest. I've been doing this for just a few years. I've never necessarily looked at this story through these lenses. That this promise of God, yes, Isaac, we know that Isaac was the promise. We know that he was going to be the father of the nations. We knew that it was going to be coming through his son. We know that's the promise. We also know that the provision was Isaac. Because I've never seen that this was like God coming after and choosing Abraham. He chose Abraham. He chose Abraham to walk him through this journey. He's pursuing you and has been pursuing you all along. The fact is that I, like many other people, have just been missing the fact that I'm being pursued even when things aren't lining up. Abraham was old. He had yet to have any children. He was going to manipulate the system. He was going to self-preserve. He was going to have self-preservation. He was going to have all of this stuff lined up because he was at the point where God couldn't handle it. And even in all of that, if you read this story and it goes further, you know that in chapter 16, Abram actually sleeps with a woman that is not his wife to produce a son And a son is produced. And again, what I see there, and I'm reflecting on my own life, is that there are so many times where I actually, I believe God, but I don't live out of the fact that I trust God. I know he's there. I believe in God. I know Jesus is the Savior. I've accepted him. I know that, but I don't trust him. Because in my journey, the way I would draw out God pursuing me would look way different than what it looks like today. So you go on down here and you can read all of this for yourself. You would think again after this chapter 16 where Abram has... A child from another woman, you would think, okay, God, now you're done with Abram, right? You cannot pursue him anymore. You're not that good, God. That's not the case. See, what I want God to highlight here this morning, not only is he the pursuer of your life, but I don't want you to miss what is going on in your pursuit I don't want you to miss what is going on as he is pursuing you. 
I need you, not me. I cannot preach this into you. A church service is not going to do this. Holy Spirit is the only one that is going to open our eyes so that we can see that God is pursuing me. What do I need to see as you are pursuing me? A guy that I read a lot of his books, Chris Vallotton, he said it this way. He said, sometimes we're so focused on the palace, the end result, that we, that we miss the journey and we miss the pursuit. You see, I think there are probably hundreds, if not thousands, in this very small room this morning, missed opportunities to learn about God. Because they look and smell and they sound different than what you and I would have drawn out for our own pursuit from the Father. God, open our eyes, open our minds. Holy Spirit, open our ears to be able to see way different than we've ever seen before. I'm going to ask you right now just to go into a place in your mind. Right now, every one of you, and it may be cheesy, it may be weird. Scott, I don't learn this way. Hey, let's try it. Let's go. Go a place in your mind where you feel like that it is unraveling, that it is not working out, that it is too difficult, that it is all lost. I want you to go there. Go, go to the last six months of your life. Go take a real quick inventory. Just go back six months. We did this in our staff meeting on Tuesday. We went back 18 months. And we just started journaling things that we have learned from the Father. Mistakes, hurts, how the Father is using them. Go there right now. Just go six months. I want you to start with this. Even where you have just gone in your mind, he's still pursuing you. He's still pursuing you. He's the pursuer. He's got to pursue you if he's ever going to give you a promise. I hope some of you, the Holy Spirit is enlightening your mind right now and you're saying, wow, you mean to tell me that he was pursuing me in that? You mean to tell me that he was there? He was there. And he's there today. And guess what? He's going to be there tomorrow. Stay there. Go there. Don't leave. God, continue to speak. God, tell them what you need them to hear. I read from the Passion Translation once in a while. It's in John chapter 15. Listen to this. It says, I have never called you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants. And servants don't always understand what the master is doing, but I call you, listen to this, my most intimate friends. I call
call you my most intimate friends. That's Jesus speaking that over us. When I read that, I think, wow, how amazing, powerful must the cross of Jesus Christ be in. Because of my sin, he had to go to that cross. Because of my sin, he had to die. And because of my sin, he had to shed his blood. And he still calls me most intimate friend. After all that I've done, after all that we've done, he still calls you your most intimate friend. That's what God is pursuing in you. That's how he sees you. I know there's been a lot of hardness and callousness and a lot of stuff just built up in our life. That's sin. And that's what the enemy desires. He doesn't want you walking around tomorrow morning knowing that you are an intimate friend of Jesus Christ because that changes things. That changes the way that you and I operate. It changes the way you and I see other people that I walk around this community knowing that I am an intimate friend of Jesus. That changes the scope of everything. So I don't care how much it's been hard and calloused. It's false and it has no power because sin is not more powerful than what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you. Sin has destroyed all that you think. No. See, Jesus and what he did on the cross has destroyed sin and all of its power. It's powerless over you. Word tells us. John goes on and he says, Jesus says, saying, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. I chose you, he said. 